Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You must be pretty annoyed if you just scored six goals and the game gets called off. I'm annoyed if I have to attend a game on a Wednesday. Bonjour, peasants! Welcome to Pints of Football, the world's drunkest football podcast. It is I, Kylian Mbappé. I am joined here tonight by a stinking English peasant by the name of Darren Napton, whose tears I shall drink like a pint of your disgusting calling on Saturday night. <laughs> did we have it in the data? Did we have any French listeners before that? Or as in, we're bound to get loads now, or we probably yeah. will never get any again. That's a that's a massive dog whistle to all the French people that are you know in for a new podcast. They'll really really enjoy that. Hear the word Mbappe, and their ears just go. Whoop. Well, yeah, yeah. There we go. Back to where it all began, Tom. The illustrious duo we, yep. we we've just been talking before we come on air that we've had to do something basically viewers have been going up professionalism level has been through the roof lately so we, we've basically had to get rid of Baxter because it's the only thing we can think of as mm. to why things have been going so right for us recently there is no Andy Baxter as we have killed him it was the best thing for the pod. At this rate, we would have almost made triple figures on a regular basis if we'd have carried on on this trajectory. We tied Andy Baxter to the back of a Western Supermare donkey and spanked its ass, and it ran into the sea. It's how he'd want to go. That sounds like some sort of like <laughs> Boxing Day festivity they do in Western Supermare. <laughs> Do you want uh, to tell the listeners about what happened to us when we uh, went on that Western League ground top and 
it started from the the fancy hotel in Western. I forget the name of it. We met we we met all the other nerds there, and um, while we were waiting for the minibus, what can only be described as a transient gentleman came into the lobby and um, kind of sat on almost sat on Daz's lap and um, asked him to guess his name via charades. Yeah. I think he... it was all very strange. And when Daz eventually got it right, he gave him a big kiss on the cheek and then went outside to scavenge for fag butts. That was probably, it's definitely up there with my strangest interactions with Western Supermare. Yeah. Which also includes when me and Baxter went to the game and we were just constantly talked at by this. I think he was Scottish. He was definitely Northern guy about how Berwick is its own country and no one should come near it. Yeah, I've heard that. There's like some loophole that makes Berwick upon Tweed its own country. Yeah, but he was very like patriotic to it, despite the fact right. that from there. Maybe he's just trying to spread the word. Yeah. Anyway, back to in the mix and. You've actually joined, rejoined Tom, the story, the Wardy epic, at a crucial point. Yeah. We've we've made it to another massive landmark. Okay. I'm about to tell you the 50th Wardy story. I'll drink 50, to that. 50, 50 stories that I will have read from football's strangest matches. Don't get that for murder. We are living on his legacy for him. Yeah. Sometimes I kind of lie awake at night wondering if we were the final insult. I really I really hope he never listened to any of us. That's what I'm never know now. Wardy, it's... please don't please don't haunt us. Well, we've already had features from Darius's ghost, so yeah. Wardy's ghosts coming into Hornets as well. I don't well. currently believe in ghosts, but I don't want to be proved wrong. No, no. It's a shame that we don't know what it looks like. I would be very tempted once you move into your new house to mm-hmm. dress up dress up as Andrew Ward <laughs> and just turn up and knock on your window one night. It's a long drive, but it'd be worth it. <laughs> We're Wardy and Wardy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what a guy. And you'll be pleased to know that on this 50th story landmark, he has given us a title worthy. This story is called Fantastic, Incredible, Amazing. Mm. Based Sounds on the tantalizing. Yeah, based on the previous 49 stories. Can you guess what fantastic, incredible, or amazing may be in this context? Uh, is it something to do with the weather? <laughs> there is some weather. Okay. So tune in. We're in London. It's October and it's 1960. Cliff Mitchell, sports reporter on the Middlesbrough Evening Gazette, ran out of superlatives when describing the Division 2 game between Charlton and Middlesbrough. Charlton yeah. feature a lot in this book, don't they? We had them fairly recently with Stocky Summers in his sensational shoes. <laughs> they're back and they're in the game. Anyway, what did Cliff have to say about the game? Well, what he said was the title, fantastic, 
incredible, amazing. And then he went on to say, it was rumbustious, dynamic, and it stirred the blood. I've never heard the word rumbustious before. Hmm. I like I like it, but I've it never heard good. it before. Yeah. Yeah, it also stirred the blood. And then what he said is, I can't imagine a more thrilling tussle than this one. It will live for years. Okay. It's nice because it doesn't start off with Wardy saying, here's a nil-nil I'm about to tell you about. <laughs> All the ingredients were right. It was early enough in the season for teams to be carefree, energetic, and optimistic. I'm trying to put into years um, when the last time I felt those things were. <laughs> well, I'd say we're, we're sort of on the, the carefree bit. We're managing that all right. Yeah, I would say I'm beyond caring. And then here we go. We've got a warning, weather warning. Do, 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 do. It's gonna be inclement. There's <laughs> gonna be mention of slippery grass. Get a, a paragraph out of that. Relentless rain producing a slippery, grassy surface, which encouraged a fast pace. Relentless rain ravaged the roughage ravaged rumbleos <laughs> sounds like an mls team <laughs> now rumbleos was like a tv shop from the 80s uh fair enough and it's before our time but i just i just love the word yeah rumbleos what's it mean i don't know maybe it was owned by a mr rumbelo or is it like Kind of sounds like the name that you give to a big sort of gorilla from the from the movies. A gorilla detective whose job is to rumble people yeah. in the action. Yeah. Oh no, it's Detective Rumbelo. He'll solve your case, but he might break all your furniture. In relation to King Kong Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> King Kong Bundy wouldn't have bothered chucking barrels at Mario. He'd just jump down and like stamped on his head. Yeah, give him a quick suplex through a table. <laughs> So it should have been. Well, right, what's he got to say? Both teams were in goal-scoring form. Charlton had won 5-3 at Brighton the previous week. Middlesbrough had recently chalked up high-scoring draws at Leeds 4-all and Plymouth 3-all. Both clubs had a goal-scoring tradition. A goal-scoring tradition? And any team that doesn't have a goal-scoring tradition. Right. I know I, there must be some nerds that listen to this. What's the lowest scoring team that's um, ever been in the EFL? Well, it's got to be someone who's just come in, hasn't it? Barrow? Yeah, but like, I, I, what I want is some calculation between like the amount of time that they've been in there versus the amount of goals that they've scored. Yeah, yeah. who's got the lowest I, goal average of all time? I'm trying to think of the... Without wishing any offence to anyone that supports these teams, I'm trying to think what's the most sort of dreary team that's still in the league that you could support. It's got to be Port Vale, surely. Well, they're, they're, they're doing quite well at the minute. Yeah, what, winning 1-0. Under the steady hand of Daryl Clark. Grimsby. Grimsby, yeah, that's a good one. What's that one where... Gillingham. Uh, Gillingham, yeah. Uh, Morecambe? 
when I'm more common non-league for most of their existence. Yeah, but still, they've been in enough to be considered boring English team. Yeah, I think I think I asked our followers um, a couple of weeks ago because I was trying to start a new football manager. Say, what's the most unfashionable club in the UK? Mm-hmm. And I think I, I had it between um, MK Dons, Rochdale, Morecambe, and Crawley. Oh, yeah. Personally, I think it's Crawley. But, yeah, um, uh, yeah, I'm but, Crawley man. But the the listen the listeners voted for Morecambe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say Crawley. Yeah, I would say Crawley. It's not. It doesn't sound like a real place. Where even is it? Uh, it's near Gatwick. Oh yeah, you visited recently, didn't you? Yeah, just because I, I was picking my girlfriend up from the airport, and I was about an hour early, and the only thing I could think to do was go look at Crawley's ground. I walked past the room, and all the players were like sat watching a PowerPoint, and I wanted to go in and see if I could find Tom Nichols and Tony Craig. If the best you can do is see a team watching a PowerPoint, mm-hmm. probably says it all, doesn't it, really? I high-fived Tony Craig because he's a legend, and I high-fived Tom Nichols because I felt really bad for him when he played for him. Aside from that, they can all go in the bin. Charlton had averaged almost 100 goals a season since they slipped into Division 2. That is quite a lot, to be fair. <laughs> see, like, they, they used to score a shit ton of goals back in the old days of football. Yeah, um, I would say to anyone at home that you know wishes that they lived in those times, go watch non-league. Three or four goals is is just the norm. I watched Worcester Raiders versus Mangotsfield the other week with my boy, and the score was something like five two. It was yeah. great. It was magic, but you don't have to worry about non-league in the nineteen sixties because you had Charlton Athletic. And their opponents, Middlesbrough, had an extra special player in their starting lineup for today. A young Mr. Brian Clough. Ooh. Now we're talking. Middlesbrough's. Are you England... Clough enough? Yeah, <laughs> you Clough. Sorry. <laughs> Middlesbrough's England international centre forward maintained a phenomenal strike rate. The player alongside him, Alan Peacock, would also play for England and commend a high transfer fee from Leeds. So essentially you've got two England players starting for a lower division team. Mm. <laughs> like imagine that now. It's like League One fiction, you've just got like Kane and Sterling up top. A little uh little bit of foreshadowing for the Japan episode. Yeah. Um but the I think the last time that someone outside of the Premier League played for England was uh, one Jay Boothroyd when he played for Cardiff. Yeah. Well, outside of the top flight, I think you should say, because I'm sure we've had like... Yeah, sorry. uh, Yeah. Of course, it was quite traditional back in the day of, what's his name? Steve Bull, Wolves Mm -hmm. legend. He was, I think it was like, was it Italian 90? He was just like second division striker, just in the team. He just seems like a lovely man. Yeah, he does seem like a legend. The fact mm. he still just goes to like Wolves City Centre and goes for a pint and just waits, yeah. just waits for people to buy him beers from a very different time. Nice, isn't it? So we've got Clough, we've got Peacock, 
Charlton had two men in Stuart Leary and Johnny Summers. Ooh, this is uh, Summers again. Stocky Summers. He's still in the still in the club. In the, in the is team. that Stocky Summers? Yeah, he's still here. Oh, go on, Stocks. I don't know how far we've actually passed. Probably only about three years, but he's still there. And they both would end their career with over 150 league goals. So basically, yeah, Wardy clarifying the goal scoring credentials of these two they teams. Are, they are regular um, minters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. True heroes of the game. <laughs> there, there were enough incidents in the first 13 minutes to satisfy many crowds for a whole game, yet there were no goals. Oh, here we go. 13 minutes right. of pure incident, which is unexplained. <laughs> if only Andy were here, he'd be going crazy right now. Once the teams started scoring, the game went out of control. There were 11 goals in 54 minutes. This is the bit where I like to add in a little um, effect on the recording where it speeds my voice up a bit. Right, hang on to your hats, lads. There's going to be some audio effects. Eddie Wurge, 1-0 to Charlton after 13 minutes. Brian Clough made it one all. Ron Burbeck, 2-1 to Nilsborough after 17 minutes. Dennis Edwards, 2-2 after 21 minutes. Stuart Leary, 3-2 to Charlton after 28 minutes. Derek McLean, 3-all after 29 minutes. Clough again, 4-3 to Nilsborough after 30 minutes. Edwards again, 4-all at half-time. Burbeck, 5-4 to Middlesbrough after 49 minutes. Clough for the hat-trick, 6-4 after 63 minutes. Edwards for his hat-trick, 6-5 to Middlesbrough. After 69 minutes. Way Nice. It all led up to that, at least. <laughs> the finale was saved for the last minute. Stocky Summers dropped a centre in the Middlesbrough goal mouth, which we just think means a cross. I think unanimously we've decided a centre is just a cross. Mm. It's not really a term that gets used anymore, but, you know. No. Yeah, we'll just say that's what it means. A swarm of muddy players challenged hungrily. Somehow, the ball... <laughs> What a poetic <laughs> sentence. Somehow the ball ended up in the net without touching anyone. A real old-fashioned okay. goal to end a real old-fashioned game. Six goals each. What? Well, why is a why is a goal that no one touched a real old-fashioned goal? I think I think it's alluding to the fact that you know when you go to a really horrible pitch and. By the second half, the whole penalty area is just a load of mud. I see. And once the ball goes into the box, anything can happen. Like Rovers when the rugby used to play there. Well, yeah, I, I don't know much about that, but from what you said, that sounds very much along those lines. I think, yeah, basically what he's saying is it's the classic scrappy, you know, anything can happen type goal in the last mm-hmm. minute to seal a point. I guess if you were in the crowd and the ball just trickled in through a mass of players, you probably you probably wouldn't even care, would you? Well, personally, I really appreciate a goal line scramble. Mm. I, I, lo- I love a jammy goal. Like the especially especially if it's a really like partisan game between like a local rival or something. Yeah. Yeah. You almost you almost enjoy that more because you feel like you've had to fight for it. Like well, um, corner in the ninety fourth minute, and everyone yeah. literally all twenty two players are in the box. There's been a lot of beautiful goals in the World Cup, but I'd rather see like Rovers squeeze one past Swindon at the last minute. Player on the line, 
he just about gets his knee to it, but not enough to stop it going in. You might drop connection. Or are you choking? Oh, he's choking. <laughs> oh, Christ. Have you got anyone with you? I'm sorry, I've got a terrible sore throat. It actually looked like you were about to die there. To be fair, I wonder if, I wonder if more people would listen if we promised one of us died during the episode. Mm. Maybe, listen maybe. to the hundredth episode of Pie of Football. At least one of them will die. Who knows who? Tom. Do a do a poll beforehand. Might actually, I might actually launch that poll now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, was that peak football? Do you think? Well, not really. It was just a a, a marginally interesting sounding game. There wasn't anything particularly. Yeah. Unless I missed something, there wasn't anything about that. Well, I mean, I, I say the highlights were, you know, the introduction of Brian Clough to the world. Yeah, I guess. But but, but every good player had a first game. Yeah, I don't even know if it was his first game. It's just the first time he's been mentioned in this book. So, you know, maybe, maybe not. I mean, I think either way, it probably doesn't beat a couple of the other stories we've had earlier in the um, in the decade. Have you gone? I, I was just pissing about. Like, if I put my glass there, then it blocks me out. <laughs> that is weird. Whack. I'll I'll just quickly wrap up the the nineteen fifties because we have just come to the end of the nineteen fifties. I forgot to say. I think I'm not going to go through them all because you know some of them have been really good this time. Some of them have been really poor. Personally, I think the, the the one that I think you'll agree, Bex is not here, so he doesn't get a vote. The one that I think mm-hmm. was best was when we went to Coventry and the Argentines were in town and mm-hmm. Jose Jose San Filippo started yeah. kicking the ref. Kick, kicked a bunch of players in the dick, yeah. And then just walked They're off. Very strong. <laughs> and then uh the, the chairman had to cut had to go out and say Right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm very sorry. The re- the referee's being a massive fucking snowflake. He's not coming back out. Yeah, yeah. All need to fuck off back home. Especially you, RGs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that, that was definitely the best story of the 50s. I imagine you've swam over. <laughs> well, you, you can get back in fucking channel. <laughs> yeah. That that's got to have been the highlight. I think that the was what else happened. There was a few comedy moments which were good. We had I don't I don't think you were here for this one, but in the last time we did the Wardy episodes, we had the Watford Fuse Thieves. Yeah, I I, mi- I missed that entirely. Could you give me a brief synopsis? Basically, Shrewsbury had to go to Watford and pick up a win by several goals. Watford were a mid-table team with nothing to play for, yet they appeared to get somebody to remove the fuses from the floodlights during the match and run off with them to get the game postponed. Right. It didn't, <laughs> didn't really seem like there was any anything in it for Watford because 
you know, they got fined and they still had to replay the match, but they had to, I think they had to play it in daylight. Maybe they just felt petty. Yeah, I think they were literally like mid-table, probably just wanted to stop Shrewsbury from winning the league. This goes back to, which we can talk about another time, but just uh, whilst I remember, petty derbies that aren't actually derbies. Mm. I'm going to say Watford and Shrewsbury. Well, yeah. The Fuse Feeve derby. I wasn't aware of any animosity between Watford and Shrewsbury. Mm. Can't really remember a time where they might have played each other. Mm. But uh, if you remember the Fuse incident between Watford and Shrewsbury, please do contact us. Mm. Yeah. I, I think that's definitely worth. If you were around in the 1950s, and you're still you're still absolutely wound up about that incident. <laughs> I, when I'm an old man, I'm sure there'll be people that are still pissed off about the game that got called off between Bristol Rovers and Wickham when we were three one up, but it got called off in the 70th minute because of a lightning strike. Yeah. There's always going to be people like that. I think the best mm-hmm. incident I've ever come across of fans not being annoyed, and and they're probably the people who've got the most right to be annoyed, was when I went to watch Macclesfield play at home against Dover. And obviously Dover travelled so far, and then about 70 minutes in, just like, it's too foggy, call it off. <laughs> And then I think what happened because I, I went because you got to keep your ticket obviously and go to the um, the second uh, try, and I think there must have been about maybe twenty Dover fans who came. So I think Mac were like, everyone who's a Dover fan can have like a pie and a coffee or something because oh, that's <laughs> this, nice. this has clearly twice cost you so much money. And then in the end, I think we won one nil. So you know. Shout out to the Dover 20. Yeah, yeah, the big ones. Pick ones, mayonnaise. Quality mayonnaise, dips, dressing and sauces that are mixed with love and flair. Pick what you want. Oh, yeah. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back from the advert break, listeners. Maybe you had a little wank. What you do in the advert break is is none of our concern. What you do with 48 seconds of spare time is nothing of our concern. Good stuff. Well, now that we are back from the commercial break, 
We had a little uh, wiped up from the commercial break. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So as as we just decided then, No Way Jose was the top story of the 1950s, but not enough to topple Wilfred Minter. Will anyone ever topple that man? Um, maybe. Quite sad. What was his name? Willie Falk. He was. He was quite a good character as well. Yeah. Um. The dick kicking Argentinian teenager was close, and Willie Folks was also close. Yeah. But fun. I just think Wilf is a bit of a legend. Of you know, because you don't really hear much about non-league from, and mm. until everyone started caring about non-league about five years ago. It's all yeah. a bit obscure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyone can go and look on Amazon and spend 99p on the autobiography of Willie Folk. It's not actually the autobiography, it's just a biography, but I have hopefully getting it for Christmas. Oh, maybe, nice. Maybe we'll do that as our next deep dive, the, what was it, Willie Folk story. That would be pretty good. Everyone, but everyone loves a fat goalkeeper. Yeah. Yeah, it's the universal thing. Yeah. Go on YouTube and type in fat goalkeeper. You'd easily get lost for hours. But I'm not going to do that right now. Maybe I will later, though. <laughs> and you, what you do in your own time is no business of us, does. What have we got to kick off the 1960s? We're off to Luton. And... Oh, good. This one I have renamed because the title, as often is the case, just ruins the story. So to give it a bit more mystery, I'm going to call this one The Law of the Game. Uh, That's very mysterious. I'll give you that. Yes, until I read out this first sentence here. And again, we have another... What if we have a warning? warning. Do-do-do. On a day of relentless rain. Didn't he say that last time? Um, There were a lot of R's in it. I'm not sure if it was relentless rain. It was relentless rain. The relentless rain has carried on for three months, apparently. Well, that's the north for you. Um, Yes, North Luton. (laughs) (laughs) On a day of relentless rain. Anything anything north of Yate is the north, I'm telling you. I've told you this before, and I'll tell you again. Yeah, I don't know where Yates is. Mm-hmm. On a pitch of mainly mud. I thought it said manly mud then, which would have been something completely different. Mm, manly mud. Man-made mud. <laughs> like, this isn't a rugby podcast. Let's not get sexual about mud. Yeah, true enough. <clears throat> On a pitch of mainly mud, Dennis Law scored... Six successive goals in 50 minutes to help Man City into a 6-2 lead against Luton Town. Uh, Dennis Law, he's quite a famous player, isn't he? Yeah, and up until this, and this is a what effect, I never realised he started and ended his career with Man City, despite being an absolute legend of Man United. Really? I mean, it's easy to forget that Man City... Were a very mediocre club for a long time. Mm. Yeah. Before they got that Arab money. 
1962, just after this, I think it was, wasn't it? <laughs> no, it definitely wasn't. It was after that. So what happened with Dennis Law at Man City with his six goals? Unfortunately, the referee abandoned the game. Luton and Man City had to start their fourth round FA Cup tie again the following Wednesday, which you've got to admit, you must be pretty annoyed if you've just scored six goals and the game gets called off. I'm annoyed if I have to attend a game on a Wednesday. Mm. Wednesday is like the the least football day, you know? Like top mm. tier is top tier is Saturday and Tuesday. Then second tier is like a bank holiday Monday. Um and then, you know, a, a Friday if it's a derby or something and they want to put you on telly. Friday or a Sunday for like women's football, Welsh football, that's usually yeah, our go to, yeah. isn't it? So, so, Sunday for women's football or, you know, um, parks football or whatever. Thursday, you're raising an eyebrow, but if if you must, you must. Wednesday is bang out. Yeah. A line has been crossed. Yeah. Leave that for the <laughs> champions leave that for your Champions League and your yeah. nonsense football, really. That's the that's the day for curling up inside and watching Arsenal versus Petrol or Ludogratz. So the first meeting of these two teams had plenty of twists. After seventeen minutes, Luton were two 0 ahead. Alec Ashworth scoring both. Then came Law's sensational, spectacular show. The Scotland international showed incredible close-range reactions as he headed and flicked in anything that was in the goal area, taking advantage of defenders floundering in the mud. <laughs> that just kind of um, brings, it gives you a mental image of players just kind of like doing mud, mud angels, like pretending to be fish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One hat-trick followed another, but all the time there were doubts about the pitch. Finally, the referee, Ken Tuck, is a great... <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so many good names in this book. Yeah. All right, it's... lads, it's me, Ken Tuck. It's, it's one letter away from Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is also quite humorous. Maybe he was the original colonel. Maybe. The originator of the herbs and spice. Yeah. So Mr. Tuck decided to abandon the game. And the thing that gets me about this, so he's abandoned the game because he's saying the pitch is unplayable. A man has literally managed to score six goals. Yeah. Like, is it unplayable? If he's if he's banging six goals in, it's definitely playable because he's playing. He's playing very well. I'd be fuming if I was him. Let's see what happened in the second attempt. The same thing. Luton scored twice in the first 22 minutes. And Dennis Law managed to score again just before half-time. But this time, there were no hat-tricks to follow. Ashworth's second half-goal sealed a 3-1 victory for Luton. Although overall... Man City technically had scored seven and Luton only five. Right. So basically, he has been robbed. He scored seven goals and only one of them's counted. Yeah, but it's just, it, it, again, it's just a fixture that's being rearranged when maybe it shouldn't have been. Mm. 
Wardy's framing it as if um, all the goals were scored in one game. Well, do you want me to tell you what his title of the story was, which is very very misleading? He's called it the disallowed double hat trick. Mm. Which, when I when I read that, oh, is there like six goals that have all been offside or, you know, chalked off for whatever reason? But yeah. I say, I say, I say, Darren. What do you say? I've been breeding racing deer. Just trying to make a quick buck. (laughs) Goodbye, my petty faloo. Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.